quite good. I think quite very good. All right, guys. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Not uh, the internet is not uh, great. I don't think because it uh, it's cut. So I'm wondering whether I swap to. I wonder whether I swap to the mobile one. The problem is, is that if I'm if I'm transmitting live. If I'm transmitting live and I now change, will that cut the YouTube feed? Yeah, but then I'd have to, I'd, I'd have to, yeah, and you see the problem is, is what you got to understand is that I'm stream, I'm streaming live on YouTube. The stream key has been input into the portal if i come off i'm gonna do it on the lte that's why that's what huh? you want to use this one no i'll use uh uh should we use that one that's is that, is that zone one that's going to be stronger than this i don't know but i mean it's stable on my on my mobile directly uh, Shaz, is this one working, Shaz? This is now the mobile one, which is connected. It's stable. It's it's constant. Yeah, it's working. Yeah. All right. You know what? Let's stick to this one. Let's use this one. This is why we went to Zong and we bought weekly premium. Huh, Lala? What did we buy? Weekly premium. Weekly premium. Super premium. Super premium. Because we knew this was going to happen. Oman was going to do us over on the internet as usual. Hello, Oman also his CPUs. Old update, new operating system. All right, guys. No, 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 Sarah. Let me tell you something. See, we have some people from Egypt, Egyptians, who are in Turkey, who are born in England. You work that one out. Egyptians in Turkey from England who are cussing Pakistan right now. <laughs> See that? Huh? Can you believe the cheek of that? Sarah Amir, who's Egyptian, in Turkey from London, attacking Pakistan because the last few weeks we've been attacking Egypt day and night because they have the worst internet in the world. And she's now saying, in fairness, she didn't attack Pakistan, but she's kind of slight attacking Pakistan because she's saying, I feel so vindicated on behalf of Egypt. You know, her point is, is that you've been attacking Egypt. What about your pain? This is what she's basically saying. Now she's saying, I'm not cussing Pakistan. It's too late, Baji. You've said what you've said. It's in the, in the text and that's it. Anyway, I'm very happy to be here. Alhamdulillah. It's been a couple of years. Uh, even before COVID, it's been a while. Um, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, has increased His mercy upon us, given us a chance yani after this uh, waba, after this uh, truly uh, yani, the, the, the size of the fitna that has been unleashed on the planet is amazing and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of course sends these things down to test us and we have been very tested many people very seriously so uh, with the loss of life and loss of income and so on and so forth uh, we're on the other side of the most serious side of it because of 
policies, because of people being disciplined, because of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sending down the dawa as well. So he sent down the da, but he also sends down the dawa as well. So the poison or the, or the illness did its job, but the medicines, the people that worked hard to do that, that's from the sunan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's so many lessons actually. There's so many lessons for what's happened and what we should learn as a civilization as well moving forward. Anyway, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. So what I want to uh, do in this particular uh, session is obviously carry on with LP in terms of the um, text where we're at, but I also want to um, uh, add a few things which will make it even more interesting for the local crowd because I know that many of you folks here um, might not uh, be following logical progression. I know some of you do. But it's always nice when the local crowd can be given something less technical than what's going on. And actually, subhanAllah, by the qadr of Allah, I didn't plan this. No man was asking me a couple of weeks ago, what is the subject going to be? I said, we don't have it. We just go through the book. We're in the chapter of the prayer and wherever we get to, we get to. Just the qadr of Allah that actually today we're going to be covering something that this could be its own lecture, actually. It could be away from the book entirely. I didn't plan it like that, but it just worked out like that. Um, but you know what I want to ask Mesa, if you can uh, add, uh, if you can post for me the English of the uh, text so far that we've covered in this uh, chapter of the Nafal prayer, of the supererogatory prayer. If you can find that for me Mesa or put it together and paste it in the comments so I can read it, then it will make this lesson a lot more uh, making sense. Whilst Mesa does that, let me give you, uh, uh, you folks especially, an update and those people who are new online as well, where we're at. So this is the 10th year of logical progression. This is a weekly class. We pretty much make it every week. We take off the summer period during Ramadan and Hajj and so on. Uh, but every year we're at it. We have a group of students that are uh, sticking through it. And there's a huge group of, a huge team of people that, are, that do amazing work. They, transcribe all the notes so people who don't like watching videos can can read uh, read and catch up we have it all podcasted so those people who spend a lot of time you know working traveling can listen to it and catch up we release revision videos we release revision summaries we release tables and th this is of course fiqh this is based upon the Hanbali school as a principle but it is covering all the schools and no school as well so it is in line with the schools of Ahl Hadith and then the schools of Ahlul Fiqh in the, in the four Madahib, in the four schools of thought as well, primarily. But we also bring in the opinions of the companions, which we'll be doing today as well, inshallah. Um, so it's a class on Fiqh, which is relaxed with relevant side topics being discussed as well. The first five, six, seven years was mostly based upon purification, absolutely everything to do with that, that you can imagine. Then we moved on to three, four years of the prayer and where a good portion through the chapter of the prayer. Um, when it comes to the prayer, we did the preparations for it, the principles behind it, the conditions for it, the adhan, the iqama, so many different things. And now we've, after having completed everything that is required from the prayer and the obligations and evil, now we are doing the, the uh, nawafil, okay, or the sunan, right? And the sunan prayers are uh, those which are non-obligatory. In English, we normally, what would you guys say Sunnah prayer is in English, if you're giving it a title? What, what word would you use for Sunnah prayer? Optional. Optional? Okay. 
Optional. Tell me what you think you would use. Voluntary. Optional. Is that it, guys? Is that the two? Huh? Non-obligatory. Optional but recommended. So do you see by that answer that she already realized the problem with optional? The reason we're doing this exercise is to show you why we choose the word that we choose and what the problem is with all the other words. Just in English. Just in English, yeah? So optional is a disaster. Because optional does not portray the fact that we must do these uh, units. Not must as in obligated, but must if we want to save ourselves, right? The entire aspect, that whole huge chunk of Islam, to be honest, maybe half or over half of Islam is the non-obligatory aspect, okay? And it is essential. We have so many ahadith that talk about it in general and then in specific. If we look at it in general, then uh, the, 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 the Prophet ﷺ said that, and you will not get closer to Allah except through the sunnah actions, the non-obligatory, right? So to get close to Allah, that's the way to do it. And then, that's the, so that's the general idea. So we now understand that generally we have to move just beyond the basic obligatory uh, contract agreement with Allah. If we want to go a bit further, then we want to uh, uh, do something more. Uh, Sarah, uh, I think maybe Mason might, because she's not responding, she might, it might be taking some time to make, but I want Zad from the start of the supererogatory chapter. Eclipse and Witter, exactly, please, Sarah, yeah. Um, so that's yani, required if we want to get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to feel his love, to develop a proper relationship. So that's in our benefit. But then there's the specific reasons of why you'd want to know and be involved in this non-obligatory aspect, because it fixes the obligatory aspect. A lot of people forget that when it comes to the obligations that we owe to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they have to be performed and have to be performed correctly. And very few people are able to pull that off. Okay? Very few people are able to pull that off. And so we need some kind of help. What is the help that we need? Something which fills in the gaps and covers for the deficiencies. So when it comes to the... the uh, this is all based upon a very famous hadith narrated by Imam Ibn Hibban in his Sahih, in which he said... That on the Day of Judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will have the, the slaves in front of, of him and he will uh, ask for their actions to be judged. And so what they will have is they'll have their own deeds and the obligatory deeds will be looked in and they'll be deficient. So the angels will reach in for the salah and when it is brought out and the hadith is kind of describing something in a, almost like a, not a metaphorical way, but it seems that on the Day of Judgment, our deeds will be given physical kind of reality or size or something. And the obligatory prayer will be presented, but it will be naqs, it will be damaged, it will be holes, it will be empty, it will be broken, it will be whatever. And when the servant sees that, he thinks that's it, I'm finished, I'm dead. Because this is the basic minimum that I had to offer. And I don't even have the basic, you know. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will tell the angels, reach into the non-obligatory container. So for every act, it has an obligatory container and then there's a non-obligatory container and when you reach into the non-obligatory container the angels will bring out all of the nawafil all the sunnah prayer all the non-obligatory prayer whatever type whatever form and it will then be taken out like a polyfiller like putty like plaster it will patch the holes it will fill the gaps it will fix up the entire uh, offering and then it will be offered it will be perfect 
And the Prophet said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will tell the angels to do the same thing for the fasting, for the zakah, for the hajj, and so on and so forth. That's why every obligatory act has a very important non-obligatory act to fix it. So Umrah for the hajj, sadaqah for the zakah, the sunnah fasting that you know many of you will have done just a few days ago, the three days per month, Mondays and the Thursdays, etc., etc., is what fixes Ramadan and so on and so forth. So optional is unacceptable as a word. Voluntary is unacceptable as a word, okay? Because voluntary does not... What's the problem with voluntary? What does voluntary mean? Like you should do it if you want... We're not going to force you? Is that what voluntary means? Doing of our own accord? There was something... Yeah, there's something... I can't remember why we looked at voluntary and it doesn't fit. But isn't voluntary meaning that it's something you're doing out of your own self? That it's something out of your own will, out of your own goodness? As opposed to being told to do it? Yes. No, you can do volunteer work when I tell you to. Hey, do you want to do some voluntary work for me? You say, yeah, I'll do it. So whether you, obviously you, you want to do it yourself. But I asked you, right? So, there's no ah, there's nothing, yeah, that's it, that's it, that's it, I think. And that's what Mesa said as well. There's nothing involuntary that is encouraging you to do it. Sadia says voluntary doesn't give you a reward. That's it, okay? So the, in English, the word that we use is supererogatory. It's the most longest difficult word you ever come across in your life, okay? But this is the, the chapter of the supererogatory prayer. It's one thing saying it and another thing spelling it. Good luck, basically. <laughs> right? But this is the chapter of Sunan. All right? Or chapter of Nafal or whatever. So that's why now you're up to date. We've got the text as well. And what I want to do, and this is now for you guys as well online, right? We're now bang up to date. Because if you remember, we ended uh, our last week's lesson with Salatul Duha. We finished Salatul Duha. And in actual fact, now the author is now leaving now the prayers and he's moving on to Sajda, sajda At-Tilawa. He's now moving on to Sajda At-Tilawa. So he's completed all of the Sunan. That's where the class online is. But for the benefit of you folks, and actually for the benefit of those online, I want to read the entire text that we have done this book chapter. All right, so listen uh, to this. In the chapter of the Sunan prayers, the Nafal prayers, the non-obligatory prayers, the most emphasized is the Eclipse prayer. This is according to this Hanbali scholar. We're not talking about what's right or wrong. We're just reading his fiqh position of uh, Imam Al-Hajjaw, one of the Imams of the Hanbali school. Right? So you might hear some things which sound a bit strange, but just listen. The most emphasized is the Eclipse prayer, then the Rain prayer, then Taraweeh. Then it is the Witr prayer, which is performed between Isha and Fajr. It is a minimum of one unit and a maximum of 11, which is performed in twos and ends with a single unit. If one was to perform the Witr as a five or a seven, they would not sit until the very end. If nine is performed, one only sits in the eighth unit, performs the Shahud, but does not do the Taslim, then prays the ninth unit. Then there's the shahud again, 
and then does the taslim, similar to like the, how the Hanafis do the three rakah with her. All right, that's when you do a nine one. And I know that folks who are obviously you guys are used to the Pakistani Hanafi uh, normal way, don't have a heart attack. Okay, everything is still okay. What you're doing, just carry on listening. Um, the, uh, to continue, the basic complete version is three units with two taslims. That means two sets of taslims. Okay. Reciting Surah Al-A'la in the first, Surah Al-Kafirun in the second, and Surah Al-Ikhlas in the third. One performs the Qunut after the Ruqur, unlike in the Hanafi school, which is before the Ruqur. Saying, Allahumma hadini fi man hadayt. Oh Allah, guide me along with those whom you have guided. Pardon me along with those whom you have pardoned. Be an ally to me along with those whom you are an ally to. And bless for me that which you have bestowed. Protect me from the evil you have decreed, for verily you decree and none can decree over you. For of a surety, he whom you show allegiance to is never abased, and he whom you take as an enemy is never honoured and mighty. O our Lord, blessed and exalted are you. And then you say, as another dua, O Allah, Allahumma inni a'udhu bi ridaka min sakhatik. O Allah, I take, I take refuge within your pleasure from your displeasure, and within your pardon from your punishment and I take refuge in you from you we cannot enumerate your praise you are as you have praised yourself and then the third dua this is considered to be like a minimum tarkib or minimum presentation of dua in uh, dua oh Allah send salutations upon Muhammad and the family of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam I'm just going to take a break from the, the text just to again remind you that our Pakistani dua, Allahumma inna nasta'inuka wa nasta'afiruka, yeah, this one is also acceptable and authentic as well. This is, of course, a very mukhtasar summarized expression of fiqh, just in case you're having another heart attack, okay? Right. Then he wipes his face with both hands. This is him making dua. It is dislike for one to perform the qunut except in the witr, unless there is a calamity which afflicts the Muslims, for which the Imam does the Qunut in the obligatory, play, uh, obligatory prayers. What's this called? Qunut al-Nazila. Very good. Qunut al-Nazila. This is not done for the plague. According to the Hanbali school, this is not done for the plague. Like actually what happened to us now. Then the next prayer. The Taraweeh prayer is 20 units performed in congregation along with Witr after Isha during Ramadan. The one performing tahajjud performs with her after it. If he is praying with her with his imam, he makes it even with a single unit, meaning he stands back up. It is disliked to perform further supererogatory prayers in between the taraweeh, meaning in between the gaps, okay? In between the gaps of two. Unlike praying the da'qib prayer later in congregation. Da'qib prayer is a extra night prayer or a name for the extra, what you guys might call tahajjud. So if you pray taraweeh in the masjid and then you pray tahajjud later on, it has a name called taqib. But you can check the notes for that later if you're interested. Then it is a sunan ar-rawatib, the prescribed supererogatory prayers. That's the name that we gave to it. We didn't though actually, we changed that. Um, us, we call it sunan muqada, isn't it? All right, the Arabic name for a sunan ar-rawatib are those sunnah prayers that are linked to the obligatory prayers, the regular ones. We call it 
Muqadda, right? Right? Which in Arabic would be a sunnah mu'akkada, the emphasized sunnah. And then you've got that four raka'ah before Asr and four raka'ah before Isha, which we call ghair mu'akkada, yeah? Right? Ghair mu'akkad. So take these two prayers away. The sunnah mu'akkada prayers, this is called in Arabic ar-rawatib, the actual shari kind of name or more accurate Arabic name. Or as-sunan ar-ratibah, those which are done regularly. And I think we translated this as the normal daily sunnah prayers. But it's very difficult to translate into English. You just have to know what, you're, you know what it is. Even when I say sunnah muqadda, you realize that that phrase means a lot more than just the prayers that you're praying. Does that make sense? Because linguistically, when you say sunnah muqadda, you're saying emphasize sunnah prayers, which there are many, actually. But when I say that to you, you know exactly what prayers I'm referring to. You know I'm referring to Fajr, Do Sunnat, Maghrib, Do Sunnat, Isha, Do Sunnat, Four before Dhuhr, Do after uh, Dhuhr. That's what I'm referring to. But you get my point? Yeah? So we call that whatever you want to translate it as. We've gone for the prescribed supererogatory prayers. I've forgotten the other word. What is this or what are the minimum Sunnah Muqadda in a day? Two units before Dhuhr. Two units after uh, Dhuhr, two units after Maghrib, two units after Isha, and then two units before Fajr. These two units being the most emphasized of all of them. The two units before Fajr are the most important Sunnah Muqadda of the day. The most important, cannot be missed. Okay? Um, if any of these are missed, any of them, it is a Sunnah to make them up, according to the Hanbalis. Okay? The prayer of the night is better than the prayer of the day. The best time is during the third of the night after midnight. After midnight, in that third which comes up after it, that's the best time to pray the night prayer. The prayer of both the night and the day is to be offered in units of two. In our, in, uh, our culture here, in the Pakistani, uh, uh, as you know, Sunnah is done as four as well as two. According to the three schools, it's done in units of two. Okay? Um, there's no harm if one offers the supererogatory prayer during the day in a unit of four, like the Dhuhr prayer. So the Hanbalis actually agree with the Hanafi school that you can offer your Sunnah of Zuhr as a four unit, just like you know what it looks like the Zuhr prayer, obligatory prayer, where you only uh, do the way you do the then you stand up. The reward for the one praying sitting down is half that of the one praying standing. The duha prayer is a sunnah. It is a minimum of two units and a maximum of eight. Its time is from the end of the prohibited time, meaning 15, 20 minutes after sunrise. So once that is done, that's its beginning time. And its end time is just before the moment of zawal. Zawal is that 15, 20 minutes before dhuhr. Just before then is the end time. The prostration, and this is what we're covering today, or some part of today. The prostration for recitation is an actual prayer. Sajda at tilawa is an actual prayer. And is sunnah for the reciter and the one actively listening. But not for the one who merely hears it. If the reciter doesn't prostrate, neither does the listener. And this will be the end of this particular section. Now, why did I read it out? You lot got a summary of the last two years. That's taken us two years, by the way. 
right? You did it in five, 10 minutes. This is why I tell people, don't be scared, Yanni, about the lessons. Just jump in, read the summary, and you catch up in 10 years like that. The, um, the reason I read it out is for you guys to have an idea where we are, but also for the people online, the regular students, to know why I'm going to do what I'm going to do in this lesson. Because first of all, there's two things that are glaringly obvious from this, um, from this uh, uh, passage. The first is that the order doesn't seem to fit what we know is more important. And so there's some discussion that maybe the author, he had his own opinion. And we discussed this in the last year or so, why he put, for example, Kusuf more important than the Sunnah of Fajr, for example, which from the first, from when you look at it, doesn't sound right at all. Because many times the Prophet Sallallahu would, not many times, for example, Taraweeh prayer. Taraweeh has been put in front of the two Sunnah of Fajr, right? But the Prophet Sallallahu actually, in a way, encouraged the people not to pray the Taraweeh prayer every night, and yet we do not have him ever missing the Sunnah prayer. Witr prayer. To put the Witr prayer so low down after Qusuf, Khusuf, and so on, also doesn't yani, uh, fit maybe what the evidences suggest. So maybe he's list, listing the prayers in a general way, not putting them in a rank order. But whilst we've been covering all of these, you know that there are some important prayers in there. Witr prayer is a prayer the Hanafi school takes very, very seriously. In fact, it doesn't even consider it to be a sunnah prayer. They call it wajib prayer. And a wajib, of course, is unique to the Hanafi school because it's more than a sunnah and less than an obligation but something still very, very serious. The other three schools, of course, consider it to be a sunnah prayer, a highly emphasized sunnah prayer. And frankly, frankly, in my mind, there's absolutely no doubt that in this entire chapter, witr is the most important non-obligatory prayer. There's no doubt about it. If not out of respect to Abu Hanifa, just the fact that his entire school considered it to be obligatory, then certainly because of the evidences. Never did the Prophet ﷺ say for any sunnah prayer, the one who does not pray the witr prayer is not from us that does not have any prayer attached to it other than the witr prayer okay we also see that he makes it up all the time we also and so on and so forth so that's the first thing the second thing that we notice is that this is meant to be a comprehensive summary of the non-obligatory prayers but there's so many that are missing right and that's what i thought we'd cover today sheikh muhammad muhtar al-shaqiti in his notes he says right in commentary to this he goes, There are other nawafil prayers, non-obligatory prayers, which the author, may Allah have mercy upon him, he did not um, uh, mention. I want to mention them. He starts off with, and let's now start this dars. The two units of wudu. This is what he's called it. The two units of wudu. What are the two units of wudu? We have a number of hadith which describe this for us. One of the hadith is the hadith of Uqba ibn Amir. The hadith which is famous is the hadith of Uthman ibn Affan. An. Hadith of Uthman, by the way, not very common. So when you hear a hadith of Uthman, you always know that it's all that hadith. All that hadith. Because there's very few hadith. Like Abu Bakr al-Siddiq has very few hadith. So the hadith of Uthman in wudu is very famous because it covers two separate chapters. The first... Is anyone remember? In this above, the first is how to do the perfect wudu. 
The second is this prayer that follows it. So this is what we learn from this hadith. What's the hadith? Um, Himran, who was this freed slave of Uthman ibn Affan, radiallahu an, he narrated, I saw Uthman. He requested people to uh, bring me some tahur. And tahur, with a zabar, I'm thinking of the letter, fatha, yeah. Tahur means the water for tahur. Wadu is the water for wudu. The fat in Arabic, the fatha on the first letter indicates the thing which is used to achieve the state, which is the dhamma. So wadu brings the water or is the water that allows you the, to make wudu and tahur allows you to enter into a state of tahara or tuhur. Okay, so he asked for water to be brought. فَتَوَضَّأَ فَأَكْفَأَ عَلَى يَدَيْهِ فَغَسَلَهُمَا ثَلَاثًا ثُمَّ مَدْمَضَ وَاسْتَنْشَقَ ثَلَاثًا ثُمَّ غَسَلَ وَجْهَهُ ثَلَاثًا أي تَوَضَّأَ وُضُوءًا كَامِلٌ وَهُوَ وُضُوءُ الْإِسْبَاغِ So he asked for the water, he washed his hands three times, okay. Then he تَمَدْمَضَ وَاسْتَنْشَقَ He rinsed his mouth, يعني in, in, into the mouth it goes, and into the nose at the same time. Like that, okay, and and so what happens? All the way in, in, out, in, out. That's the madmala, and it's then shaka, yani, meaning into the nose as well, and then out it came. Sniff in, out, three complete separate times. All right, and it's obviously this. I'm just translating this hadith. We've covered this all for years. All this detail, yeah, three times. Then he washed his face three times. Um. And the author says, meaning that he did everything properly. He then washed his right arm three times. Then he washed his left arm three times. He wiped over his head. He then wiped in his ears. He washed his right foot three times. His left foot three times. Then he said, رَأَيْتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ تَوَضَّعَ نَحْوَ وُضُوءِ حَادَ I saw the Prophet ﷺ do this particular wudu that I have just done. This, by the way, is called the perfect wudu. This is what the scholars called isbagh al-wudu, right? The perfect wudu. And basically, it's all the actions that you can see, mixing up obligatory and non-obligatory, because something like washing the face, for example, is obligatory. Many scholars do not consider washing the mouth actually as obligatory inside, just so that you know. Washing the hands at the beginning, by the way, not considered obligatory by the majority, and so on. So the perfect, complete wudu is the non-obligatory, obligatory, and the number of times. Because one is enough for every limb. But three times is the perfect wudu. This is cool. So this is the first thing that we learn. Then he said, in this particular version, this is the hadith in Sahih Muslim, hadith number 226. He says, ثُمَّ ثم صلى ثم صلى ركعتين لا يحدث فيهما نفسه غفر له ما تقدم من ذنبه. So whoever does does this wudu that I have just done and then prays two units in which he does not address in it or he doesn't talk. 
to himself or does anything or whatever, which I'll explain in a minute. Okay? He does not get involved in anything. All of his previous sins will be forgiven. All of his previous sins will be forgiven. That's the hadith. Hadith in Sahih Muslim. Now, us packs, we all know this hadith. Because all of our parents are doing this, or our mums, we should say, been doing it all their lives. Right? And when we cover this hadith, I think, I don't know when we covered it, it's that obviously we have hilarious memories of this. You remember your mum coming out of the bathroom and you say, you're being a child and saying, mum, can I have some food? And yeah, she's looking at you, not speaking, not saying anything. You're thinking, what the hell's going on? And then, you know, she's putting a hijab on and putting a hijab on and then, you know, and you're thinking, I'm here, you know what I mean? What's going on? Like you don't even exist. My memories of this are so vivid, Yani, my mum doing this to me. And I was full haryan, what's going on? And then she would jump on the table. I'm saying, wait, before you start praying your taraweeh prayers, just tell me, are we getting food or not, or what, whatever? And she'd be going like this and pray to rakah, and then give the salam, and then she's back to life again, speaking, talking, this, that, whatever. We never understood. And obviously, this is a very strong cultural thing. Agreed? Yeah, we see it, we know it. But in actual fact, our elders, not so much yani, our youngsters, if they pray any prayer, that would be good, let alone the prayer of wudu. Yeah? But... Our elders, they really understood this sunnah. This is a very clear sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, and the reward is huge. The sins are forgiven. Now, when, when you hear this kind of hadith about the sins being forgiven, this is, of course, referring to the minor sins, not the major sins, because the major sins require an act of tawbah. So this is the minor sins. Sins are, of course, two types. So that's the hadith, which is clearly indicating that there is something called the perfect wudu, but there's also something called the two units for wudu, right? We should have had that mentioned. We have another famous hadith as well. This is the hadith of Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam came up to Bilal radiallahu anhu. And there are a number of variations of this hadith. The asal is in Bukhari. The simple version of this hadith is in Bukhari. And he said, Inni sami'tu khashkhashata aw duffana alayk fil jannah. I heard the duff or the khashkhasha, yani meaning the footsteps yeah, of your slippers in Jannah. Okay? فَأَخْبِرْنِي عَنْ أَرْجَ عَمَلٍ عَمِلْتَ So tell me yani, the most yani, uh, 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 act, yani, um, linguistically translated, it trans translates as the most hopeful act, but technically translated, it means the act that you do that produces such a massive reward that you know that you're doing that everybody else is not doing. This is what he's trying to say, yeah? What, tell me what the secret thing is that you're doing. This great thing that you're doing uh, 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 that achieves this. So, in the different narrations, of course, of this hadith, Bilal is super shocked. In other versions, I don't do anything. Other versions, you know, I, and so on and so forth. This version that we're now going to move to is the version of Imam Ahmed. This is narrated in his Musnad, the Hadith is Sahih, and it's Hadith number 23046. He says, Ya Rasulullah, ma ahdathtu illa tawadda'tu, wa la tawadda'tu illa sallaytu ma katabali. O Messenger of Allah, I would not speak except that I make wudu, and I did not make wudu except that I will pray that which is written for me. This Hadith, is indicating that there are a, there's a prayer, which is a two-unit prayer, a minimum, which is prayed 
with the wudu and there is no discussion and chatting and you know yiv or whatever so therefore guys um, we now have clear evidence that there is an, a, a another prayer that we should include in this chapter and that is the the, the prayer for wudu it, in summary it is a two unit prayer it is done after wudu it is done without chatting about anything it is the dunya which is primarily the point if someone for example said you know sneezed and said alhamdulillah and you said yarhamukallah this would not break your state it would not break the uh, reward either other questions people ask is what about if you start thinking because hadithun nafs hadithun nafs is not speaking out per se hadithun nafs, nafs means that you just start daydreaming basically or start thinking that's what hadithun nafs means when you speak to yourself now when you speak to yourself it doesn't mean that you speak to yourself like as in a film you're narrating to yourself I mean that you're thinking about the dunya, you're thinking about business, you're thinking about X, you're thinking about Y. The whole point here is to kind of maintain the prayer chain, to maintain a state of purity, a very high quality act. But the scholar said, but sometimes a person yani, is not actively sitting down to have a think or have a meeting or whatever, but thoughts might come to him in between the wudu and the prayer. And the scholars said that this is something which is, doesn't break the state because this is something that you have no control over. Yani, it's some thought that comes to your mind. Even, yani, you know, you look at a haram glance, the first glance is something which is forbidden. That's a glance. What about the thing which comes to your mind? That's even more, yani, obviously, deadly and direct and uh, uh, quicker. Okay? So... The whole point is, is that you're not meant to get involved in any chatting, any ghibah, any namima, any, you know, rubbish stuff or whatever. And you just, you know, maintain that, 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 that state, that dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's the first uh, thing I want to uh, speak about. By the way, a question. Um, this version of this hadith, you know that it's, uh, the, the, some versions of this hadith, the, the Prophet وسلم, at the beginning of it, went into Jannah and he found... Bilal or the house of Bilal there, right? And he heard his footsteps when he entered Jannah. Who's the first person who will enter Jannah? Prophet Hazrat Bilal. Bilal surely, right? Because he heard his footsteps in Jannah. Isn't this hadith a proof that Bilal actually is the first person to enter Jannah? There's another hadith that, that tells us about Umar radiallahu anhu, he said, whose is this castle on the Layla of Mi'raj? And the Prophet was told, this is the castle of Umar. This is one of the lesser kind of narrations, right? What do you think? Umar first, Bilal first. Prophet first. So what about this hadith then? With the Prophet Sallallahu intercession, very good. So then, how do we explain these hadith then? Well, that's inside the, uh, the it's, not it's not necessarily order of. It's not necessarily indicating this is the first second of. This could be the Prophet Sallallahu exploring Jannah, Jannah, going around, checking, hearing things, seeing things. You right? It is not. Doesn't this hadith doesn't necessarily state the first second. The, the exact chronology or the, or the order. So that's what some scholars said. Other scholars said that this is 
actually the Prophet ﷺ not talking about what's going to happen per se, but rather a dream, that he saw a dream. Or when, when, he, when we say dream, meaning that this is like a, a, a picture being played out. Like we have hadith about what uh, paradise is like and like Prophet ﷺ knew about what happens in Jahannam, for example, and there's the different people and you know what I mean? So this is of that type of uh, hadith. So I just want to mention that. Right, the next prayer, the favorite of all packs and non-packs and everybody else, and the girl's best friend, especially those who want to get married, Salatul Istikhara, right? Okay. So why that's not included, we don't know. I think the packs will be in revolt if they find out that there's a chapter yani, on the Sunnah prayers that no istikhara, the prayer that we pray every single day for everything. Okay, so we need to have a little chat about that, yeah? Um, Salatul Istikhara is an interesting one. It's interesting for a number of different reasons because uh, actually, uh, the, I, I, my, this is my take on it. This is my take on it. The people who understand it least pray it the most and the people who understand it most pray it the least. It's a good summary, sir. I thought about that. I thought about that. Because the people who are I mean, especially the girls, yani, you know, boys less so, you know, they're sitting there trying to work it out. This guy has come give me a rishta. This one has come give me a rishta. In the Western culture, if I, you know, if I was teaching for Qasala, I, I'd pick up a, uh, a flower and I would take the leaf off, petal off, I would say, he loves me. He loves me, he loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. Whatever is left behind. So it's good that they pray istikhara, isn't it? Better than Isbapas, isn't it? Yeah? <laughs> right? So, um, the, Islam. so the, um, and what's interesting, of course, is that they do this. Aisha Rishta is, you know, marriage proposal. Come on, man, Aisha, come on, man. You've been around enough from packs. She's Filipino, you see, so she's saying, what's Rishta? <laughs> marriage proposal. Um, so, um, when the masses do it They're literally thinking That the istikhara is some kind of magic spell Basically I've got this big masla I can't work out So I'm just going to pray istikhara And I'm going to go to sleep And something's going to happen I'm going to have a dream And I'm going to see red dresses everywhere <laughs> Hanging or flying over the house Where he lives <laughs> And then only the guy that is not getting the vote will see yani, cloves of garlic and wasabi or something like that. <laughs> What's the wasabi uh, equivalent in... Uh... No, no, there, there is. Lala, we saw wasabi today. Let me tell you something. Uh, What's the Pakistani equivalent of wasabi? Basically, marg yani, in a, or moat in a, in, a, in a small dish. It is, I think, from the izzat of our cuisine that we don't have a wasabi. Yeah. Sah? Everything that we have is nice. Yeah. Like, why would a qawm create something called wasabi? If you're thinking what wasabi is, think of the most horrible, disgusting thing that you could ever eat. <laughs> is it Japanese? Or Chinese? Japanese. Japanese. It's Japanese. Oh! Lachi. Elachi. Elachi. It's a horrible man. It's not controversial. 
It's not controversial. There's a big difference between it soaking in masala tea and it making the biryani, whatever. It was not meant to be eaten, was it? You mean the black one? I meant the killer one, Yara. Okay. Right? Well, I don't know if there was a black one. I don't know if there was a black white one. Don't forget racist about it, okay? Ilachi is Ilachi, man. They're all disaster. All right? Although Lala was... Yeah, the Numan cancelled. Fire, fire Numan. Cancel Numan. People were cancelling me today on Instagram because I wore a rabbit scarf. They said you're cancelled. And you are the one who pulled Ilachi black and white. Never in my entire life have I heard of Ilachi being black and white. Anyway, you are right, by the way. Karele is, is our wasabi. Yeah. People try and they black it. They say, no, no, you've got to boil it with kima. No, no, you've got to have it like my mom makes it. No, your mom can't make yani. Karele taste nice. What is your mom? mom? Your mom's yani jadu. Is she? Is she, she does. <laughs> karele is karele, that's it. All right. Anyway, why are we talking about wasabi and karele? Oh, meaning that people create their own ways of seeing positive signs and negative signs. Yes and no in order to work out what the decision is. And this is, like I said, the masses culturally pray istikhara the most, but they understand it the least. They think that it's, it creates a decision for you, and then you go with the decision. An actual fact, when we look at the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu and I'm going to read it for you, and then, and I'll read it in its entirety. Um, uh, do I have actually the hadith in its entirety? That's the real thing. Okay. In here I don't. Let me find the actual I'm sure I had it somewhere. Hello Ji. Haji. Who's connected their mum on the phone, Yara? Come on man. You should have just invited it to the dars. Kasme. Alright. One second. So this is the narration. Okay. The hadith of Jabir radiallahu an, okay, which is narrated in Bukhari, hadith number 263. Nabi sallallahu alayhi He used to teach us the istikhara prayer in all matters as he taught us the surahs of the Quran. He said, if any one of you thinks of doing anything, he should offer a two-unit prayer other than the compulsory ones. غير الفريضة This is very interesting because he didn't say sunnah, he didn't say nafal, he said غير الفريضة So from this hadith, we also learned about the concept of non-obligatory prayers. And actually, the غير الفريضة is actually linguistically non-obligatory, other than the obligatory. He should offer two units of the غير الفريضة ثم يقول and then say I'll come to the dua in a minute. Alright, so first of all, whenever he wants to do something, wants to make a plan or something like that, wants to do, go ahead with a decision or whatever, etc, 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 etc. Now, the mistake that people make straight off the bat here is that they think that as soon as the situation comes in front of me, now I need to go and do the prayer. And then I'll wait for the answer. It's the exact opposite. You now have got the situation in front of you, you now go and solve it like you normally would. Go and speak to your dad, speak to your mom, speak to your husband, speak to your wife, speak to the experts, speak to the, do the research, go onto Google, go onto Wikipedia, go onto the market, go and uh, ask the first uh, shopkeeper, right? Can you imagine, by the way, if we took this 
like how people take it. The Prophet ﷺ said, whenever you want to make a decision about something, then do it. That means that whenever we go into the first shop and we want to buy something, we should then pray two rak'ah first before we buy it. Because you don't know if we were to logically carry on with how the people understand it. What actually did the Prophet ﷺ indicate as the kind of way of buying things? In shops, anybody know? Correct. We have some hadith in which the Prophet ﷺ said that you get a price by going to the first, then the second, then the third. So that's actually from the sunnah. I use inverted apostrophes because there's some uh, commas, speech marks, um, because there's some discussion about that. But the, the point is, is that you survey the market. You do the research. You get an idea what he's charging and then what he's charging. And then the third one, then you know whether it's, and you know who's playing. So it's clear that it's not istikhara which gives you the decision, but your own shura. وَشَاوِرْهُمْ فِي الْأَمْرِ Right? So you always make shura with the people who know. And if you understand that, that istikhara has nothing to do with the decision-making process, but instead understand that the istikhara is a blessing prayer. It's a prayer which blesses your decision. It's a prayer which makes you content with your decision. It's a prayer which makes your decision a holy, sacred one, even if it's for the dunya. It means that you did everything that should have been done in this decision. That's basically what it is. It's something offered after you've made your decision. You've got it clear in your mind. You now ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for His help in protecting you from the bad of that decision and to promote the good from that decision. It's done after. And then you relax. And the whole point of the istikhara is after now what happens, whatever will happen. Not I'm waiting, but you go ahead with what you had decided before. And now you know that Alhamdulillah, if good comes out of it, then it's from Allah. And if bad comes out from it, it's from Allah. And I'm going to be happy with the decision. And a lot of the time, by the way, one of the beautiful psychological benefits of istikhara is that actually we think of a good and bad decision in very subjective terms. After you do the prayer, the subjectivity is taken out. Nothing else has changed actually, but your mindset has changed and now you don't think so negatively like you were before and you don't also think so positively as you did before. But now you've moved from your pure state of qadr, of appreciating qadr, right? So let's look at, um, let's look at the hadith. Pray the two units and then say, ثُمَّ يَقُولَ اللَّهُمَّ إِنِّي أَسْتَخِيرُكَ بِعِلْمِكَ وَأَسْتَقَدِرُكَ بِقُدْرَتِكَ وَأَسْأَلُكَ مِنْ فَضْلِكَ الْعَظِيمِ فَإِنَّكَ تَقَدِرْ وَلَا أَقْدِرْ وَتَعْلَمْ وَلَا أَعْلَمْ وَأَنْتَ عَلَّامُ الْخُيُوبِ اللهم إن كنت تعلم أن هذا الأمر خير لي في ديني ومعاشي وعاقبة أمري أو there are different versions of this hadith, of course. All of them are pretty much authentic. The variations don't change it. At this moment in the Arabic, when you're making this dua, you would mention the thing. You just say the name. We don't even have to say it in, according to some scholars, but we'll come to that later. فِي دِينِي وَمَعَاشِي وَعَاقِبَةِ أَمْرِي فَاصْرِفْهُ عَنِّي وَاصْرِفْنِي عَنِّي وَاقْدُرْهُ لِي Or in the other version وَاقْدُرَ الْخَيْرِ لِي حَيْثُ كَانْ ثُمَّ ارْضِنِي بِهِ 
the translation. Oh Allah, I ask guidance from your knowledge and power from your might and I ask you for your great blessings. You are capable and I am not. You know and I do not and you are the knower of the unseen. Oh Allah, if you know that this job is good for my religion or this issue is good for my religion and my subsistence and in my hereafter or if it is better for my present and my later, then ordain it for me, make it happen for me and make it easy for me to achieve and then bless me therein. And if you know that this job or this situation is harmful for me in my religion and my risk and in my hereafter or is worse for my present and my later, then keep it away from me and keep me away from it and ordain for me, decree for me whatever is good and make me satisfied with it. Right? That's the dua. The wording itself indicates clearly that this is not something which is a toss-up between two or whatever. This is asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless your decision which you've already come to. Okay? Now, these are two units which to be done in non-obligatory prayers. Let's cover some of the fiqh of it. The first is that, is it permissible to do this on a prayer that has other uses? Like the two sunnah of fajr, for example? Or like the two raka'ah of duha? Or does it have to be two unit without any single prior reason? So some scholars said, yeah, it needs to be two dedicated, pure units. It can't be, you know, jumping on the back of another one. But the majority say, that's no problem. That's okay. If you have the intention at before the prayer, that this is the two units of duha I'm praying, or this is two units of ishraq that I'm praying, but I also want to do istikhara, then that's okay. And the majority position is correct, actually. Even though it is a, I have to say, it's a nice opportunity to pray something extra other than what you normally pray, especially if you're asking Allah to bless something for you, then you might as well put some value in there, right? And that's why the scholars said that the istikhara, because you're seeking such a big thing from Allah, it's good that you offer something, you know, as a thank you, as a bismillah, like the sana, right? Like subhanakallahumma bihamdika wa tabarakasmuk, when you start the prayer, it's all praising Allah. You're giving to Allah before you start asking in Surah Al-Fatiha. So likewise, when in the Quran, the companions were told to give sadaqah first before you start asking the Prophet for fatwa and this and that. Likewise here, offer the prayer before you're asking Allah to bless you in this decision. So it's nice if you make it a dedicated prayer. However, if it's not dedicated, as long as it's not the fard prayer, that's the most important uh, first rule, okay? Secondly, when is the istikhara dua made? No, I mean, sorry, in the, with respect to the prayer. After the prayer, after salams. Yeah? This is the position of the four imams, okay? It's generally the position of the four imams, uh, the four schools, and there's some difference, but minor, that this is done after. However, a number of the scholars, particularly the contemporary scholars, and most famously championed by Ibn Taymiyyah, Ibn Taymiyyah's position is that no, this is actually in the place of the dua, which is before the taslim. The dominant place, you see, uh, I mean, we've covered this a lot in class, uh, but you might have also come across this. Our obsession with dua after the salah, like we all do, and we all yani, make dua for our parents and our teachers and how's it go? 
What's the, what's the, the set dua? Don't tell me, you, don't tell me just Patans who've got a set dua. No, no, you do. Come on, what's the dua that you make? Don't make me do it again on camera. I have a video where they, they, they recorded me on camera and then, well, obviously it was recorded. But they sent it around on WhatsApp yeah, and I'm making a fool of myself. But then, my oh, Allah, forgive me, forgive my parents. You don't have this? So when you start making dua after salah, what do you do? No, not astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah. I mean in Urdu, I mean. Yeah, I'm talking about Urdu dua. No, I'm not talking about the dhikr. Urdu dua. After you've done your tasbih and everything. You guys don't have a dua? What's normal dua? Yeah. Huh? No way, man. Pats don't have in Urdu a set pattern. Only Patans, yeah? KPK's in Dabad. The problem is I don't know you very well. That's the best thing. Is auntie watching? Auntie's watching. Auntie's watching. Baji's watching. My full best is going to be done. Don't worry. It goes something like that, right? Oh Allah, forgive me, my parents, brothers and sisters, the uh, grandparents, Ustazan Akdaran, teachers and Akdar means what? No, Akdar, I think, are the people of Qadar, Yani. What it means? Leader, uh, leader. Yeah, VIPs. Actually, Akdar means VIPs. But VIP in a not in Pakistani politics sense. All right, VIPs in you know what I mean, Akdar. Yani do Qadar. Alam is trying to protect me, man. See, don't, huh? There's a generic one after Juma. Yeah, yeah the Come on then. Go on. Come on, Lala. You're going to do my best. Let's do your best as well. <laughs> yeah, I usually get up. Yeah, I usually get up. Yeah, I look at it. I doesn't even make the dua. He gets up, walks off. Thank you for nothing. Um... And then, uh, uh, and then it go. And then it starts to get funky. Then we start talking about the prophets. One hundred twenty-four thousand comes the ad, all this, that, whatever. You don't have that. <laughs> you know, Pukhtana, legit, man. Oh, Morbis have just put a brand on their dua. Yeah, I should do that to be honest. Brand my duas. Yeah, I like that. Chalo. Anyway, um, why are we talking about that? Yeah. With the after oh yes, you're right. Here's the irony, which has failed. My point has failed entirely, but anyway. But at least I think some of the point remains that still the Muslims around the world have always made dua after the prayer. And the irony is, is that this is hardly, hardly ever narrated from the Prophet ﷺ or the companions, right? Not that, not that you can't or that you shouldn't, but in this manner, all the time, with the hands up, straight after the prayer, it's very rarely seen. So it's allowed, and it's happened, and it's happened, and we accept it. 
even in congregation, by the way, and that is even less dominant. But we can't say it's haram or something like that. So the point is, is that it is very rare in the sunnah. However, amongst the masses, it's the most common thing, right? Like people think that the Mulvi has not even done the prayer properly if he doesn't lift his hands. And you yourself, if you're praying by yourself, you feel like I didn't pray properly if I don't, you know, if I don't make dua. So that shows how important it is to people after the prayer. And this is not just Pakistan, this is actually Muslims around the world. And the irony is, is that actually virtually all of the hadith that are about dua after the prayer refer to the dua in the prayer after you finished Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala ala Muhammad after you finished the Ruj Sharif. So Allahumma inni dhalam to nafsi, obviously everybody knows that's in there. And Allahumma, Allahumma a'inni ala dhikrika wa shukrika, that's actually within the prayer. Allahumma inni a'udhubika minan nar within the prayer. Allahumma ajirni minan nar as within the prayer. Now, I also need to add that the scholars were flexible. They did say that, but these can also be given after the taslim because of the doubt over whether it's before taslim or after taslim. So the lesson is, is that actually we are already doing plenty of du'a after, after salams because of our culture. We need to increase more du'a in the prayer. Make it connected to the prayer. The prayer, by the way, is what's boosting the quality of the du'a. That's the reason. You know, when we study the prayer, we say that there are two highly emphasized parts and moments, special moments in the prayer that you should let go and make as much du'a as possible if you want to accept it. The first, sajda. Prophet ﷺ said that you are closest to your Lord in sajda. The second, here. Because the Prophet ﷺ said, and let him ask his Lord whatever he wants, therein. Therein meaning right there, before the, tas the taslim. So that's the obvious reason why Ibn Taymiyyah said, this is the, the place that you should make istikhara dua. And that's my class position as well. The class position is that the dua and istikhara is inside the prayer before the taslim. However, I want to add and say that if a person does it after, then that's no problem at all. In fact, Ibn Taymiyyah said, it does not affect the istikhara, whether done before or after, both are acceptable. Ibn Taymiyyah himself said that. Okay? So that's the, the, the second uh, prayer. You agree that should be included, isn't it? Who wants to add another one? We, we mentioned this last week, from the text that I mentioned, you didn't see the other famous Desi prayer, which is the other famous Desi prayer that we didn't mention. <coughs> Hajat is a good one. We'll come to that actually in a second. Shukrana, we'll come to that in a second. Fear, which packs are doing that? Salat al very good one. We'll come to that in a second. Uh, we'll come to that in a second. Come to that in a second. The common one is Ishraq. Right? Salatul Ishraq, which is called Shuruq in the rest of the world or in the Arab speaking world, right? And the reason um, the reason is there are some scholars that consider this hadith to be a separate to be indicating a prayer which is separate from the what? Duha. Now, my position is that, my preferred position, 
is that Salat al-Duha is the generic name for all the prayers that are prayed in that Duha period. But if you pray early, then we call it Shuruq. And if we pray it later, later proper, like around 9, 10 o'clock, then it's a proper forenoon by a couple of hours. And then that's the Duha, duha prayer. But it's probably more accurate to say, no, there's two separate prayers. Duha is what you pray 9, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock even, 12 o'clock even, because that's just five minutes before the haram time for Dhuhr. Yeah? By the way, guys, me and Izam need to yani, work out what on earth is going on in Pakistan. So today, me and Izam, we prayed Salat al Dhuhr. Okay, he did, yeah. I just want to blame him in case this, in case this is a disaster. I'm blaming him. We prayed al Dhuhr at 12.25. Okay, alhamdulillah, there's no big shock on anybody's face. We prayed at 12.25. The reason for that is because Ali Bai sent us the timetable according to the Karachi Observatory, Islamic Observatory by the way, right? That says Dhuhr starts at 12.19 or 12.20. Tegan? All right. My app, which is a good app, and I adjust it manually, also said 12.20. Magar your azan for Dhuhr was 12.47. What's going on, Lana? At 12.25 we prayed I was in the bathroom and showering at 12.40 Hearing the adhan whatever. What's going on? What have we just prayed? That is according to the Jamaat Which is in the month So they give us adhan for They give the adhan before lunch time That's the logic They're giving the adhan before lunch time are you hungry? Give the adhan right now that means we should make a dhan now for dinner. <laughs> no, but, 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 but you're saying that, but it was all the mosques. Off-air. Or urf, the urf. Is that the, is, that the adhan is not... Because it's, because it's indicating for the people when they can pray as opposed to the actual entrance of the prayer. It's 15 minutes before the prayer. Right, interesting. One and the namaz is always, one namaz is usually always around 1 p.m. Rafia from Lahore, she's saying that um, 11.55 is Dhuhr in Lahore, yeah. and then it's 1 p.m. Yes. Even some, some places you find 1.30 is Azhar, and then 45 is Right. But in some cities like Salford, I was there last week, they have their Right. So it's done more for the people as such. To be honest, when I think about it, I think many Muslims follow that. Well, certainly in the West, we follow this earth in the, in the uh, winter time. If you guys, if you online think about this in English, our Isha, it come right now, you know what time our Isha starts? Five. 15-ish Yeah Nobody in the masjid at 5.15 I tell you right now Our Isha is at 8 o'clock Like most masajid Isha is at 8 o'clock And so you know One of the elders will come in At quarter to 8 To open up the masjid And that's when he gives an adhan Now Obviously our adhan Is not broadcast on speakers Whatever um, But actually some masajid Have radio systems In which uh, They You know You're connected And you receive it in your homes but even that's going to receive it at quarter to eight. So it's actually, you're right. The urf is there in other places as well. Huh? 
No, well, I mean, that saved it. That, I mean, now it's clear. There's not, nothing to do with Zawal. Yeah, now it's clear, yeah. Anyway, so just so that you know for your own sake, uh, if the, uh, the, if the Dhuhr time is 12 o'clock, uh, 12.20, it means that you, it is haram to pray between 12 to 12.20. That's what you should know. This is the Zawal time. It's one of the three prohibited times. And Duha is about 5-10 minutes before then it ends. So 11.50 would be your cutoff for Duha. Now those people who follow the opinion that Ishraq is a separate prayer, they say that Ishraq is its own prayer, it has to have its own conditions, and to be honest, there's a lot of evidence for that. Even though it's prayed technically in the Duha time. And so technically it could be called a Duha prayer, but actually it's its own prayer. Why? Because the hadith that set up its, prayer, its uh, circumstances is very unique. The Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith, which is narrated, Man al-fajr fi Whoever prays the Fajr prayer in congregation and then remains in the place that he prayed in, a, in the state of remembering Allah, doing the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala until the sun rises, then prays to raka'ah, it will be for him the reward of Hajj and Umrah completely, completely, completely. Alright? Now, I want to say couple of things. Rayhan actually asked a question uh, just a minute ago. He said, can you speak about the authenticity of this hadith? A lot of people, the majority of scholars, take this hadith as authentic and it's probably the correct position. However, this hadith is not as strong as you may think. There are a lot of concerns at the, at the, at a, at a naqd level of this hadith. And I don't think it's, yani, I, don't, I don't see real too much need to discuss it here, but maybe I will on the Telegram group. We have a Telegram group for LP. Um, but the, um, but I just want you to know that this is not the most authentic prayer that we have. And this is going to become important when we start talking about Hajj, Tawbah, the Yawah, okay? So this prayer is established by this hadith. So it's not the most authentic and we already have Duha prayer. However, going with the majority position that it is authentic, is good enough. And remember, this is an important point. Does it need to be bang on super sahih, this hadith? Why not? Because for weaker hadith, you can practice it yourself, but you can't make it legislation. Say it again, for weaker hadith. I mean, I'm not saying for zayif or anything, but I'm saying for hadith that are weaker, below Hassan in general, then you can use it for your own sake, but you can't legislate it and ask others to do it, or ask others to follow it. So is, uh, so is that for Hassan hadith or for weak hadith? I think it's for the hadith that are below Hassan. Below Hassan. All right, good. Anyone else want to say something about that? Do we need the hadith on shuruq prayer to be super, super authentic? According to a number of scholars, you wouldn't need to do that. Those scholars that allow the use of weak hadith in what we call fazal al-amal, yeah, or the fadail al-amal, those actions which are just good deeds in general, there are a number of scholars that allow that senior scholars that allow that but they put three conditions down they allow you to use a weak hadith in fadal amal not in fiqh not in like uh, law or aqidah or serious issues but only in general good deeds but they put three conditions down who can remember the three conditions of using such a hadith a weaker hadith in such an act no no Nope and nope at the back. 
Um, well, actually, you said that, and the answer to what you're saying is bigger than what you're saying. So you're saying a portion of the answer. That's the same. Oh, sorry, what's that? Correct. That's number one. It cannot be establishing an independent, individual, brand new act. Right? That's why we say that it's used in Targhib wa Tarheeb. It's used to enjoin Targhib wa Tarheeb, to scare you off. If you're enjoining something, recommending something, it's because it's already recommended, but you didn't get the, but it didn't do the trick. It didn't do the trick. Yani the hadith didn't, the hadith that you've got already didn't motivate the person enough. So let's chuck this one in. It's a bit weaker to help you over the line. Does that make sense? It can't be a hadith which comes and tells you, right, on Wednesday, Zuhr time, fast for two hours. You know what I mean? Or some, yani, you get my point. So that's the first thing. It can't legislate something new. Hassan has, uh, Hassan has uh, given the answer correctly, yeah. Online. That's pretty much the first. That's what we just said. It's got to come under already a general principle already, general hadith, Quran already. The act must be established already. The second, which is what you lot are talking about, that it can't contradict, can't do this, can't do that, means it cannot be very weak. It cannot be da'if jiddan. It cannot be munkar. It cannot be mawdur. It can only be just weak or roughly weak. Why do I say that? It's when it becomes very shad, when it becomes contradicting, then it's, that hadith is rejected. It's a very severe level of weakness. So the second condition, it cannot be very weak. And the third condition is that you must make it clear that the hadith is weak. A disclaimer must be given. You must say that this was said to be narrated. This was reportedly stated by the Prophet ﷺ. Or there's a hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu and it's weak. So these are the three conditions. Now, would you still consider it the Sorry? Would you still consider it the Asana? Well, you would because it's already been established. That's the whole point, right? You're not bringing something new. So here's the question. Could we use weak hadith for Ishraq? Yes. Why? Okay, so it should be not very weak. This hadith is not very weak. Good. Carry on. Second condition, it's, we announced that it's quite weak. Okay, I've announced it. Third condition, it cannot establish something new. This hadith is indicating something new. It's near the Duha time, so therefore, it's kind of coming under that already. It's a good argument. That's what some scholars said. Some scholars said Duha is already established, you're not adding anything. But we are, aren't we? We're adding new conditions. Duha prayer did never have in the other hadith that you can't speak, you can't move, you can't. You get what I'm trying to say? Yeah? Didn't give a specific reward of Hajj and Umrah. Right? Duha prayer has specific rewards. This actually is an argument for Ishraq, by the way. The fact that the hadith of Duha says, that when you wake up every morning, you have 360 joints in your body. The, upon each one is the haqq of sadaqah. And you are not going to be able to basically, you know, give the sadaqah of your body, the right that upon you, two units of duha covers all of this. 
So the reward of two units of duha is huge. It's following the sunnah of the Prophet It's performing sadaqah for your body. It's the prayer of the repentant. Awabin, as some scholars said. So maybe it could be argued that Ishraq with a, another Hajj and Umrah thrown in is just following the same kind of principle. Uh, but the opposite could be argued as well. The opposite could be that no, those are prayers which are without any conditions. This one has a condition. The condition is, is that you must not move from your place. You've got to start before Fajr, be in that position. Can't be making anything, got to be raining in dhikr. My opinion, Allahu A'lam, is that it is a separate prayer. It is a separate act. It shouldn't يعني, um, try to come under the coattail of Doha. But because it's prayed in Doha period of time, we need to be a bit more relaxed towards it. I don't think the hadith are so weak in the first place. And so I think that it is a hadith which we can act by. And these are the two units. This is the third prayer that has not been mentioned in the chapter of the uh, Sunnah by Imam al-Hajjawi, which we will add. Which is this Ishraq prayer? Yeah. Is there a consensus on the three conditions? No, God, no. Of course not. The question was: Is there a consensus of these three conditions of weak hadith? Absolutely not. These three conditions are the conditions of Imam Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani, the greatest of the muhaddithin in the latter era. He put this condition. He also feels that this is the opinion of Imam Bukhari as well, who is Amir al-Mu'minin in hadith. A lot of scholars agree with this, but some scholars increase it to five conditions, others reduce it to two. And there are some scholars that reject it entirely. Some said absolutely impossible, like Sheikh Al-Bani, for example, in those from the modern time, that said impossible to ever use a weak hadith. Maybe my Muslim can be thrown into this category. Yeah, but Hajjaj and a Muslim. So there are scholars that are on different camps here. But yeah, the majority of the scholars are comfortable that yeah, if you're gonna use a weak hadith in fadail amal in good deeds to encourage that, then these three principles, they're very safe, these principles, by the way. You know, if you're warning a person it's a weak hadith, you should automatically be saying, well, you know what, he just told me it's a weak hadith, I'm not gonna take it too serious. And it's actually already, it's actually not bringing anything new, it's covering something which has already been covered. And you're, you know what I'm trying to say? But how much would that statement be true that once you come for your Eid prayer, then you should not do your Ishraq. If you come for your Eid prayer, you shouldn't do your Ishraq. I, oh, you mean in, uh, in the Masjid, you mean? Yeah. Oh, it's not Ishraq. It's the Tahitul Masjid. No, you're talking about... Mentioning are, you, are you talking about a Hadith? Yeah. I don't know of a Hadith that says that there is no Ishraq. Really? No? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Are you mixing it up with that there should be no sunnah to be prayed? When we call these prayers, we call it here nafu. Mm. Correct. Just adding the super top name as uh, Isha or Cha. Cha, Cha, or whatever. By the way, is just yes. different? Yes. Just. A different, what, what, so how do you differentiate that from Shuruq prayer? Time. time. What time? time. So chast is your duha? Yes. Or, or do you differentiate between duha and chast? Duha is the same thing. Huh? Duha is later, yeah? Yeah. You see, that's interesting. So, so, so that, you, you mean that it's a, 
Well, well, actually, there's more than three. Others will say that awabin is its own six rakah. According to according to many of the companions, duha time. Awabin, yeah. Abu Huraira's opinion in one narration after Maghrib, like we do. Another narration from Abu Huraira, authentic, duha time. Actually, more hadith to indicate that it is duha time, by the way. More evidences would suggest. Okay? So anyway, Mesa is telling us about the time and so on. And the, our brothers, East Pakistanis, Bangladeshis have gone home. That's what that means. Is that they are sitting there in the masjid watching this lesson. And after an hour, they turn off the TV because they don't want the lesson to go more than one hour. So we have done them over. Big time. Um, may, I'll, may they forgive us and may Allah forgive us. So let's, uh, let's finish off this... Uh, this uh, Let's finish off the, uh, uh, this uh, uh, section that, what do I want to say? Oh, is it possible for a woman to do this at home? Ishraq? Is it possible for a woman to do Ishraq at home? The hadith says, يعني فجر في جماعة. Yes, Kaputta? Yes. <laughs> Everybody jumping on me. Unless you have another hadith. Man al-fajr fi jama'atin. Are you guys all praying for jama'at at home? MashaAllah. Huh? Confident. What are you five minutes ago? Now everybody's like, hmm. I follow the opinion that if there is someone that is unable to pray the jama'ah, whether that's uh, someone who is a male who goes there normally but then is ill or something <coughs> or a woman who is unable to because the mosques don't allow it or it's not easy or the husband needs them or the children require them at home then I think that they're allowed to pray at home without the condition of the jama'ah and Allah knows best but this is a risky position because the hadith says fi jama'ah the hadith says fi jama'ah and your musalla would be wherever you just prayed. That would be the place that you are. Okay? Um, another point. Another point. Um, is what time it is. And it is to be prayed early. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يُسَبِّحْنَ بِالْعَشِيِّ وَالْإِشْرَاقِ Okay? And Abdullah ibn Abbas, he said about this ayah, that I only know about this ayah, what I heard from Umm al-Mu'mineen Maymuna. Radiallahu ta'ala anha That she used to pray This two raka'ah At this exact time After ishraq Okay So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best The final thing that I will uh, Mention Is The salat The salat of al-haja Or al-ham Okay Now Salat al-tasbih Salat al-tawbah What were the ones that we mentioned? Tawbah, tasbih Shukrana, yeah, shukr. Anything else? Awabin. Why are all these four hadith not being included by me or mentioned by me? Because the majority of the scholars did not put those into the category of regular sunnah prayers. Regular sunnah prayers. Either because they're not regular sunnah enough, they're like one off in a lifetime kind of thing, like Salatul Tasbih, for example, 
all the evidences for these individual prayers are a lot weaker than you may think. Certainly the case for Salat Tawbah. Certainly the case for an actual prayer that's to be done, Shukrana, yani specifically. In general, of course, but specifically as an act, I need to now pray to Raka'a. No, there's no evidence for that, or strong evidence. Likewise, Awabin, Hadith not very strong for it. Likewise, what was the other one? Tasbih, Tasbih, Tawbah, Awabin, and something else. Shukrana, yeah. Salat al Haja is an interesting one. From a hadith point of view, you are finding some hadith that talk about if there was something that is needed, the Prophet would pray to Raka'ah. These hadith are weak. These hadith are weak. And that's why we are not going to include Salat al Haja purely in this category. However, Shaykh Muhammad Mukhtar al Shaqiti, Hafidahullah, he concludes this section with the final prayer and he called it Salatul Hammi wal Hajas, the prayer of stress and need. And what he's done there is an interesting move. He's basically put a new category for a prayer using another hadith of the Prophet and not the one that we all know which is weak. What is that? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Aisha radiallahu anha said, كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا هز به أمر وفي رواية إذا هزبه أمر فزع إلى الصلاة If you used to get stressed out over something or get anxious about something or get worried about something he would rush to the prayer This hadith is super sahih Okay It's the prayer which the Prophet would do often during the day to get clarity why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, When you're in a difficult situation, seek help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by one, practicing patience, calm down, and then the prayer. So this is like almost a tafsir of the ayah. So that's what the ayah says, seek help through the prayer. And the Prophet uh, Aisha said that when Prophet used to get stressed, needing help, he would then go and pray. Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar Shankiti has said this is actually like a hajar, really, because when you have a need, you're stressed, isn't it? When you have a need, you want help, don't you? So he's put it in like that. And if we do that, then okay, then Salat al-Hajj needs to be added to the authentic, regular Sunnah list as well. But if you are, if you are gonna use the hadith which is the famous one there's a guy he's relaxed he's not stressed at all and he's in need of something so he's got a new phone for example and he wants a the, he has an iphone 13 he wants an iphone 14 he's not stressed about it one little bit and he goes yeah there's a hadith which says if i have a need i should pray to rakah you know what i'm trying to say i'm just trying to give some kind of example then this is unacceptable according to me according to the, the, the number of scholars that see this hadith is weak and it should be considered to be weak it's not authentic Alright, specifically. But in general, if you have a need, then of course you can. Now, remember by the way, these are the regular sunnah prayers. There are many sunnah prayers out there that you can pray without reason and that we should do. Just praying. I'm just stressed out, I'm going to pray. I just need a more reward, I'm going to pray. In the empty times of the morning, in the afternoon, in the night time as well. But what we've now just completed is a list of the most popular regular sunnah prayers. If I'm going to do a rough kind of order, and I'm going to close the lesson on this now, because otherwise... Uh, uh, yeah, Rafiq mentioned Salatul Fatih, 
But again, Surah Al-Fatih is something we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, which is the prayer that you pray when you have a great victory, especially when you open a land, when you conquer a land. The Prophet ﷺ prayed it, Sa'ad ibn Abu Waqqas prayed it, okay? When he opened up the Persian Empire, the Prophet ﷺ did it for Mecca, of course. So, but these are one-offs. We're not talking about one-offs. We're talking about regular Sunnah prayers. Let me summarize and say that at the top would be Witr, taqriban. Witr would be right bang up there. Then it would be the Sunan Ar-Rawatib, Fajr yani at the top of them, right? Then it would be the Taraweeh. Then it would be the night prayer. Then it would be the, istikha, the, the Istisqa, needing rain desperately. Kusuf, Kusuf, because you need that as well. Um, you got the prayer for Wudu. You got the prayer for Istikhara. You got the prayer for uh, Ishraq. You got Doha, which you put high up in that list. You put Salatul Hajj probably towards the back end of that list, but it's there. And that would be a summary of all of the regular Sunan prayers. Not the entirety of non-obligatory prayers. I didn't say that. Regular Sunan Nafal that are done on a regular, daily, weekly, monthly kind of basis. Wallahu ta'ala a'lam. Let's take some uh, questions. Um, Maryam also mentioned a very good one. What about the Sunnah between the Adhan and the Iqamah? And that's a very good one. Actually, actually, there are many more that come into this category. And it's not necessarily between the Adhan and the Iqamah. Some call it the, the two for the Adhan, and some call it the two for Iqamah, and some call it the, uh, the two Raka'ah between the two. And the last is the more accurate. All right? Because the Prophet ﷺ said that there's always two Raka'ah for that. Now, some said that that's the precondition for the Dua. You see, sometimes when you're not convinced completely by the hadith that establishes the prayer, then look also to other things around that time. And we have super authentic hadith that make it clear that the dua between the adhan and iqamah is not rejected. And when you are looking for some kind of dua, or when you find a dua that's so powerful, it's not usually that far away that you find a prayer before it. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So it makes sense that there will be a prayer there as well. And a uh, dua. All right. Taytul Masjid. Uh, yeah. So I've covered this in class, but for the unit, for the benefit of everybody sitting here, there is no such thing. I know this is going to open up a real yani, can of worms. There's no such thing as a unit of prayer called Tahiyyatul Masjid. Okay. Tahiyyatul Masjid has got to be seen very differently. Tahiyyatul Masjid is making sure you do not sit down in the masjid without praying. There's a massive difference between that and saying it is a two-unit non-obligatory prayer. There's no such thing. Never. Okay? What tahiyyatul masjid is, is that you must not sit down before praying. So if a person walks in and the jama'ah has started and he joins the jama'ah, he has fulfilled the requirements of Tahiyyatul Masjid. If a person walks in and starts praying the Sunnah of Fajr, he has fulfilled the Tahiyyatul Masjid. If a person comes in and prays the Salatul Qusuf and the Khusuf, because the mosques are praying the Eclipse prayer, he's done that. You get what I'm trying to say? But if a person walks in at 9 o'clock in the morning, no prayers, nothing, he's chilling, done duha at home, but walks into the Masjid because he wants to write some Quran, wants to do some dhikr, he cannot sit down. He has to pray two rak'ah. He creates two rak'ah to sit down. Does that make sense? Is compulsory? Not compulsory. According to the majority of scholars, this is a highly emphasized sunnah. According to a minority of scholars, and a strong position, by the way, 
that it is obligatory. So that's the end of the share. All right, guys, let's do a quick uh, few questions. Time has become very long. Mesa is having literally a heart attack. Yeah. Yes, but again, you won't need to. You'll get it automatically. Because you're thinking, can I make the Hayt al-Masjid Niyya? Well, it's automatically built in, but you would, yeah. And multiple Niyya is acceptable when the act is not super specific. When the, when the two units is not specific, specific. <coughs> Istikhara can be done with the regular Sunnah according to the majority. Yes. And if it is, chronology is broken, to where is the... So when is it happening then? So I'm happy to break the chronology. In fact, the majority will break the chronology because it's clearly an out-of-world event, right? And it happened in a time that doesn't make sense and it happened at a distance that doesn't make sense. So clearly it's out of the time-space continuum. So there's no problem with that. But the question is, so when did it happen then? When did he see it? To carry on with your theory, like, what's your answer to that? Yeah, yeah, I was just, you know, bringing this out that also, you know, when the Prophet said he brought the prayer, so this yeah. also means that it's not the future, but it's also the past as well, because when he brought the prayers, yeah. that wasn't the future, it was actually present, right? Correct. So, I'm just, you know, bringing that out that there was no time when they were there. Do you agree with that? So, 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 what, so what you're saying is that... Because the Prophet ﷺ did the mi'raj and he brought down the prayers and the prayer started immediately, it was present, which is correct, I agree with you. If the same hadith is talking about him seeing things in Jannah, then that must be the present. Well, yeah, like I said, that is a, a confusion thing. That's why the question is there. And I personally think that it doesn't need to be confusion like we answered. It could be the Prophet ﷺ actually foretelling what's happening in the future when he goes into Jannah and he is, you know, looking around and, and there's actually many explanations for this by the way. Some scholars used to say that the way you've got to think about this is like, um, uh, 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 how can I say, um, like when you go home and the servants are there, who is the first one who entered the home, right? Or technically speaking, they're servants. But is that how the entrance of people is judged into the house? They've got all weird kind of explanations for it. I just don't think we need to create the problem. I think I'm quite comfortable with this being a vision of what is going to be happening. Not necessarily, as you said, the chronology of... Yeah. yeah. If a person walks into the masjid and time for prayer is almost about to start. Yes. Is he supposed to make that to a time or can he wait? No, he can wait. Does he have to stand no. and wait or he can sit? No, he should. He, according to the majority, it's allowed to sit down because they don't consider it obligatory. But I think a person should sit. I think a person should sit. Now, there is fiqh, by the way, which is attached to this point that you just said. 
The classic example is in the um, in a in a masjid on Juma, walking in. A person sometimes what happens, and I've seen this. I was with, I, 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 I don't know whether I've told this story to, to anybody. Um, but I walked into a masjid with a, a speaker, a scholar actually, and um, the adhan was going for Jum'ah. And uh, the sunnah, of course, is to repeat after the mu'adhan. Huge reward for that, actually. So he stood and repeated after the mu'adhan. And I was standing next to him and I prayed my two rakah of Tahitul Masjid. And I sat down. And by the time that I had finished, he was just about to start the khutbah. He stood, repeated after the mu'adhin, then prayed his two rakah. The imam had started his khutbah. When he finished, I said to him afterwards, I said, this is not right what you did. He goes, why? And I explained to him and in the end he agreed. Because to repeat after the mu'adhin is sunnah, but to listen to the khutbah is obligatory. And he decided to do the sunnah before the obligatory. What he should have done is to pray his sunnah first and be ready and present to be fulfilling the obligatory. Not when I said shouldn't, I didn't say it's haram, but I'm saying that it is khilaf al awla, meaning that you shouldn't be doing that. All right, let's just take this one. Yes. Oh, just, just, oh yeah, go on. Yes. Yes. So you know that famous hadith in Bukhari, the Prophet ﷺ was giving khutbah, a man came in. He sat down. The Prophet ﷺ stopped the khutbah and said to him, have you prayed your... Have you prayed? He actually didn't say anything. He said, have you prayed? So late, man said no. He said, stand up and, and pray. So the man stood up, prayed two rak'ah, then he sat back down again. The Prophet ﷺ carried on. This is the hadith which the majority of the... No, majority. This is the hadith which that minority of scholars that consider Tahitul Masjid obligatory, this is their number one evidence. They said that it's impossible that something which is obligatory to listen to, which is the khutbah, will therefore make the Prophet ﷺ tell a person to miss it, which proves that that is obligatory as well. So the problem with this thinking is that actually, if that's the case, then that means that that sunnah is more obligatory than the khutbah. What's the evidence than that? Yani either you're saying it's the same. If it's the same, why is this one being given precedence? Or is that the only way to deal with it? And this, this is hadith which is difficult to reconcile. Most scholars reconcile it by saying that this, this was specific about the person. This was something... And they start to try to give an exception to it. This is what seems to make sense. Because... The stronger position is that the Tahitul Masjid is not obligatory from the other hadith that we have. But Salah knows best. Let me, let me just answer this question. Oh, good. What to do if after istikhara someone got talaq or got married, life is not going well? This is a miserable istikhara question. Okay. Again, as I said, istikhara blesses the decision. Doesn't yani, tell you that you made the right decision or the wrong decision. 
it means that whatever happens now, this is meant to happen and you should be happy with it. So if talaq happens, talaq is a mercy in our religion. Sometimes we are not Catholics until death do us part, right? That's the difference between Islam and Christianity. Islam lets you go if there is a problem. And sometimes yeah, I need a marriage continuing is a blessing. So it just means that we've got to be happy with it. Can we do istikhara without the nafil? No. What you're doing, if you don't pray the istikhara, is you are making a strong dua. That's what you're doing. And it might be responded to, but it's not the dua of istikhara. If you don't pray the units before. And can we do istikhara? Can we, for istikhara, hire someone? No, 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 no. Sorry, 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 sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I read this wrong. Can we do istikhara to hire someone? Or to launch any program or to meet someone. This is the pack way, isn't it? Yeah, it's the opposite. Okay, hire someone, meet someone, make your decision, then pray istikhara, okay? And be happy with your decision. Whether the guy turns out bad, say alhamdulillah kulli hal. If the person comes out good, say alhamdulillah kulli hal. Okay? We have reached one hour 40. We're going to end this lesson. Mesa is desperate. No, no, we'll continue here. But Mesa, is, she's right. This is why our class is 10 years. The reason, I, by the way, everyone who's online, Complaining at Mesa Hold your tongue Because it's because of Mesa That we have 10 years of this class going <coughs> That's the reason Mesa is the one who's organized all the whole thing And with that and the transcription team uh, Fumni, Sunnah prayers The Iqama is There's no Iqama for the Sunnah prayers Barakallahu feekum guys online Jazakumullah khair Next week stay online with the telegram We're going to continue here over our own thing But everybody here uh, Sarah, um, uh, uh, Sarah, I will do your checking for you in Telegram. I mean, I'll check it here, then I'll post in Telegram. And um, next week's lesson is going to be some weird and wonderful time, probably 11 o'clock UK time, 4 o'clock Pakistan time. <coughs> maybe, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Yalla, guys. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika. Ashadu wa la ilaha 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 ilaha